In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen, and good morning to you. The homily this morning is about the life-giving flesh of our Savior. The verse that I would like to focus on from this gospel lesson today is this verse, and he came and touched the beer and the bearers stood still. And in case you don't know what beer is, that's just another word for coffee. No, it's another word for coffin. All right, so the beer, he touched the coffin, and the bearers of the coffin stood still. The main point that I would like to make is this. Jesus touched the coffin to show us that his flesh gives life. Jesus touched the coffin to show us that his flesh gives life. I would like to go back into the earlier verses of this Luke chapter 7 and read the story that leads up to this. Because in this case... Jesus said the word, and the man was healed. Now when he had ended all these sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And Capernaum is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die, and when, he, and when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should come and do this, for he loveth our nation, and he has built our synagogue. And when Jesus went with them, he was now not far from the house, and the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say to one, Go, and he goeth, and to another he cometh. And do my servant do this, and he doeth it. And then Jesus, when he heard these things, he marveled and said, turning about and said to the people that were following him, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith in all of Israel. And so they went, and when they were sent and returned to their house, they found the servant whole who had been sick. So this is the lead up to, to this gospel lesson. Now beginning the next verse in this next account. This resurrection was accomplished purposefully in that Jesus had just healed a centurion servant by a word. Jesus met this funeral procession on purpose to show us that he could not only heal through his word, but that he could even raise the dead by his touch. 
This was to show us and to teach us that His flesh gives life. Let me give you an illustration. And it's not my illustration. It is an ancient patristic illustration. And it is best presented uh, to us in uh, Father John Braun's book, Divine Energy. And it's the illustration of the sword in the fire. And I first heard this illustration. Let me tell you. I first heard this illustration from Father John Braun when I was in Nashville, Tennessee in 1976 and when he had completed his teaching that weekend that included this illustration of baptismal regeneration and union with Christ in baptism I walked away from that weekend and I said to myself out loud I'm not a Baptist anymore because I believe what Father John taught me. Here's the illustration. You have an iron sword and you place it into a fire. And when the, the iron of the sword is placed into this, the fire, it begins to take on the properties of the heat of the fire to such an extent that if you leave it in there long enough, it will turn red hot. And if you were to immediately pull it out of that fire and press it against someone's cheek, it would burn their cheek. The sword remains an iron sword. And the fire remains a fire. And by placing the sword into that fire and it taking on the properties of that fire, absolutely nothing was taken away from that fire and the strength of that fire and did not change that fire in any way. So having given that illustration, then we move to what happens to uh, what happened in the incarnation of the Lord and what happens to us when we are baptized. When God became a man, God is fire. Have you ever heard that verse from the Old Testament? That God is a consuming fire. And this is the best way we can speak of the uncreated divine energy of God. The fire. The fire of God was united to the person of the Son and Word of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. And when He came into the womb of the Virgin Mary, He assumed into His person our human nature, like unto us in every respect except for sin. No sin. And so this divine nature and His human nature were united in His person. They were united in His divine and uncreated person, the Son and Word of God. And when He walked this earth, we could, we could see evidence of this, even though we didn't understand it. 
How is Jesus walking on water? The fire of the divinity is interpenetrating his human nature and giving it the divine power. How could he spit in the, into the earth and make clay and rub it on a man's eyes and the man w- would see again? Because his divine nature was interpenetrating his human nature and giving it the divine power and he was manifesting his divinity in his humanity. And how could he touch the coffin and the boy would raise from the dead except that his divine energy, the fire of God, was interpenetrating his human nature so that his human hand communicated the divine power and raised this boy from the dead. So what does that have to do with you and me? So when we are baptized into Jesus Christ, something really happens. It's a symbol, yes, of death and resurrection, but it is also a reality, and we enter into a greater reality of death and resurrection, and we are united to Christ's glorified human nature, interpenetrated by the divine energy by which being substantially united to Him in baptism, we become partakers of the divine nature, as St. Peter explained to us in his letter. Do you like this illustration? Fear seized them all, and they glorified God. A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. I think fear would have seized me too if I had been standing there and I saw it. St. John of Damascus, you know, fear, some kind of fear is good and some kind of fear is bad. So St. John of Damascus lays out for us different kinds of fear. Six varieties, he says. Shrinking, shame, disgrace, consternation, panic, anxiety. These are all fear. Shrinking is fear of some act about to take place. Shrinking back. Fear. Shame is fear arising from the anticipation of blame. This is the highest fear form of the affection who did it who did it you did it (gasps) fear disgrace is fear springing from some base act already done and even for this form there is some hope for salvation disgrace can be turned to salvation Consternation is fear, originating in some huge product of the imagination. Consternation, the kind of, kind of mental confusion. From what? My imagination. Fear. Panic is fear, caused by some unusual product of the imagination, because it hasn't happened yet, and we don't know if it's going to happen. But we panic before it happens. 
fear. Anxiety is fear of failure, that is, of misfortune. For when we fear that our efforts will not meet with success, we suffer anxiety. These people were seized with fear. Probably not all the same ones in the same way. Because when God performs a miracle, we're, we're, we're all each individually affected by that in a point in our life, in a point in our insides that the Lord wants to touch in order to bring salvation. How could they be seized with fear and glorify God at the same time? That's kind of, you know. How can they be seized with fear and glorify God at the same time? Do we not hear, as we're about to pro approach and receive the Holy Communion, these words? You know them. With the fear of God with faith and love, draw near. Is it possible that all three of these things can and should live in us simultaneously? Fear, faith, and love towards God. St. John the Evangelist, in his first letter says, There is no fear in love, but for perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. Please keep in mind, he says, perfect love casts out fear, and I have to ask myself if I have perfect love. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Let me say this. Love is the opposite of fear, not security. We think the opposite of fear is security. The opposite of fear is love. Love, not security, overcomes fear. The love of God is a work in progress, and only when we attain unto perfect love do we no longer fear God. As St. Anthony the Great said, I no longer fear God, but I love Him. I don't know about you, but I don't think I have attained to the spiritual heights of St. Anthony the Great quite yet. Until then, our love for God is helped by fear and faith. And so let us approach the Lord our God with fear, faith, and love. 
and not merely approach him as our, our buddy or our friend. Although he said to us, you are my friends. Let us repent of our sins as we approach to receive him in the body and the blood. Repentance is quite simply a matter of changing my mind. Can I change my mind about my sins? Stop accepting them as normal behavior and turn around. That is, turn my life and my actions around to face toward the Son of God who loves me, who forgives me, who cleanses me, and who heals me from my sins. Let us do these things together as the body of Christ when we approach Him and receive Him nourishing our union with Him in His life-giving body and blood. If you're visiting and worshiping God with us today, or if you are a catechumen and preparing to be received and fully initiated into the life of the church, we would invite you also to come forward at the time of the communion to Receive the touch and the blessing of our Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ through the hand of the priest. We, maybe we can't serve you the Holy Communion yet, but Jesus wants to touch you. Will you come? O oh Lord Jesus Christ, our God, also touch us that delivering us from evil works, from fleshly lusts, you may unite us into the assemblies of the saints, for you are the giver of all good, by whom and with whom, to God the Father, be praise and dominion with the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen.